Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There's a cat over here. There's a cat over there. And the wrong one died. And the wrong one died. Welcome to The Wrong Cat Died, the podcast breakdown of the cast catastrophe. I'm your host, Mike Abrams, and today we have another amazing guest. He was on the infamous U.S. National Tour 5 as Tumble Brutus, but he's also performed in, I believe, over nine productions and has casted it before and has done a ton of work on cats and is currently a casting director at the Fulton Theater in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. So welcome, Joey Abramowitz, and thank you for joining me. Hi, thanks for having me. I, um, I'm excited to dig into the casting piece because that's something I just haven't talked as much about, and I know... I mean, you've done this so many times and so many different versions and productions and played characters. So I, I'm excited to hear all your different takes, but I always want to start at the beginning because you, you know, you are in the era that was like right around the 1998 movie of being probably like, it's not like you grew up with it as a child and you watched it as a little kid, but you like, what was your first introduction to the show? Was it that movie or was it some version that traveled around the country? I was a theater kid, uh, grew up in New Orleans, and my parents, uh, they fostered my interest in it. So uh, instead of celebrating Mardi Gras, when I was in fourth grade, we took a trip to New York City, and I saw uh, Cats on Broadway in 1989, I think it was. Uh, so that was my first introduction to it. I'll never forget Green Eyes, you know, yeah. during the prologue. Uh, it's just crazy. And then going up and, you know, meeting old dude on the tire. Uh, so you so got to my, go up at intermission? Oh, they still did that back then, yeah. Uh, so that was my first time with the show. And then obviously, yes, I was I was graduating high school in 97. So that, that video came out. I was going to college as a theater major. And, you know, I, I excelled at dance. So I, of course, gravitated towards that show. And just I was a gymnast. So that was like the perfect show for me t- to be in. Yeah. And I, I lucked out. You know, I lucked out and got to be a part of it early on. So did you, like, when you saw that show and you saw it the first time and being a gymnast and being a dancer, did you, did you gravitate towards a tumble Brutus or somebody who did like some of the tumbling passes? Oh yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I don't think I really remembered character names when I was younger. Um, and even in the one seeing the, you know, the DVD, uh, I just was like, oh, well, you know, this is a perfect show for me. Like I just, Mm -hmm. you know, I was a strong tumbler, a trained tumbler. I knew I could, I could tumble eight times a week and be healthy. So, yeah. And then when the show, when I got the show, it was kind of like one of those dream things where I picked up the phone and called my parents and was like, oh my gosh, you guys aren't going to believe this, <laughs> you know? That's amazing. So yeah. Was it, was it the first one you, like, what was, if you were a theater kid growing up and you did New York trips, like where was Cats in that? Like, was it the first thing you went and saw or was it 
a couple trips in. No, that was the first trip to New York. Um, I, we saw Cats, we saw Les Mis, we saw a chorus line, and Nonsense. <laughs> so, <laughs> the four so shows three, that my parents, three classics, and, right, then, and then, and then, and then Nonsense. A Catholic boy, they were like, yeah, let's throw some nuns in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Okay. So this is first trip. How about how old were you at that first trip? Was I it was nine. I was eleven years old. Yeah. Okay. So you were an age where it probably all the sexual stuff went over your head oh, and it's just the dance numbers. It was okay. just a big dance show for me. Mm -hmm. And then you get it, but walk me through your cat's resume. Cause you emailed it to me and it is, <laughs> it's extensive. So uh, just as a performer, not as the, on the right. other side of the house, but as a performer, you've done it nine times, nine times total. Yes. Um, I've done. Yeah. So the first time I did the show, I, um, I had been in New York for about a year. I went on a, a small national tour prior to cats. Um, and when I got, I, I went to the audition and it was for the, the, the equity tour had closed when Broadway closed. So mm -hmm. they, when Broadway was closing, they closed the equity tour. Um, and then I went out, I was auditioning for replacements for the second year of the non-ec tour five. Yep. Um, and I was in the audition. It was one of those classic auditions where there were like 60 guys there and then it turned into 10 guys. Then we had a call back the next day and I was like, I'm getting this. I am so getting this show, you know? <laughs> and we, we all exchanged numbers and we all said, you know, Hey, be in touch. If you hear, if you hear anything, if you hear anything and that they all started getting offers and I didn't get it. And I just was like, I don't understand. How did I not get the show? Uh, fast forward about four weeks later, uh, my, my house phone in my apartment rang and it was director choreographer, Richard Stafford. Um, mm -hmm. who was kind of like, we called him, you know, he just took care of the show for years on Broadway and he was who I had auditioned for, for the tour. They needed an immediate replacement for Tumble Brutus at Westchester Broadway theater, which was the first theater that was doing the show regionally after it had closed on Broadway. Um, I literally met him on 10th and 49th in a car and drove up to Westchester that night and started learning the show in a conference room and went on six days later. So, six days. Wow. I learned the show in six days. Yeah, I, I was. It was. You know, I was twenty three, so it was was like I was a sponge. I absorbed it, and I remember telling the sound guy at Westchester the day that I went on. I said, "Don't turn my microphone on because I don't know all the words yet. I know yeah. the dances, but I don't know the words." <laughs> um, uh, so that was my first uh, time with the show, and then I ended up uh, going out on that tour, a uh, tour five, uh, as kind of a replacement for the first few months. Uh, when the Tumble Brutus would get injured and have to be out of the show, they brought me in. And then uh, he ended up leaving the tour, and I, I finished out tour five that, that year of the tour. So that is that is crazy. So you basically were, like, they were trying to fill in the tour in year two. Like, they were starting. Yeah, your former guest, Jean-Michel, you know, Tucker yeah. and I, we, they, we were, uh, not Tucker, but Jean-Michel definitely, you know, we, we joined that tour as newbies. Yeah, and I because I've talked to a couple of people on year one. I've talked to a lot of people on the later half of the ten years. I think the tour went on. Yeah, um, and it's I didn't even place how long it went for a long time. Um, but yeah, okay, so you go, so you go in six days, learn the show. In six days, you're not learning anything about Tumble Brutus's story. You're just like trying to not get, oh, you know, be in the right place at the right time. Exactly. And, and then on top of it, learning the salinity. You know, yeah. not just dancing, but learning how to be a cat which, you know, develops over time for, for me, I end up, you know, I think I ended up being a pretty good cat. And then on tour, I would end up when any new swings would join us, I would, I would go help them. We'd play in a room and like do things about salinity. Cause that's a huge part of it as well. It's not just the dance. 
Yeah. So it's yeah. the funnily, it's the dance, it's the yeah, the singing, which you just said for first first night, forget that. Don't worry oh, about gosh, it. Oh gosh, yeah. And then that so then you go on tour and you start as injury replacement and then you go on tour for a year, right? You do the full yeah, year. For a year. Mm-hmm. And then so that tour, we can come back to that tour because there's a lot. But I think we've heard a lot about, about that tour. Right. But then you, how does what's the rest look like? Because you did it then the at Beef and Boards, which is down the street from where I grew up. Yeah. You did it in where else? I think in Texas, maybe in Maine. I did it in Texas, couple- Houston, Maine, uh, Ohio, uh, everywhere. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what happened was uh, I got off of that tour, and I, you know the last thing I wanted to do was continue to audition for Cats because I had just done it for a year. But at the time, that was just this wave of regional theaters doing the show because it had closed on Broadway, and it, you know people were just getting getting the show, and I I knew it. So it's one of those things where the director has a group of people who already kind of knows the show. You just get a phone call that says, Hey, I'm doing it at Walnut street theater. Come do the show with me. So I kind of, I lucked out and rode that wave of cats and was lucky to meet Mark Robin, who I now currently work for. Um, he, he was the first director to kind of get the rights to do the show differently than Julian Lynn, Trevor Nunn. He mm-hmm. took a story and kind of recreated it. Um, so there's his version of the show that I do. And then there's the original version. So I've done, four of the original uh, choreography show and I've done five versions of Mark Robbins. So wa- walk me through what the differences are, what you can kind of speak to on the difference between Mark's and, and Jillian's. Like, is it purely choreography? Is it story? Is it like how much differs? I would say the biggest difference is his approach to the story. Uh, the choreography is there, you know, you can't really stray too far from uh, the style because at the same time, you're still choreographing for people who are acting like cats. So yes. there's the salinity aspect is still there, but I would say his approach to the story, I think he, he looked at it as a whole and took a little bit more of a human approach to telling the story about character. Um, he he kind of set the show up so that Grisabella um, was really good friends with Bomb Ballerina, Jenny Annie Dots, Jelly Lorem, and Demeter, and uh, they, his whole idea is that Syllabub is Grisabella's daughter, but we don't know who Syllabub's father is. It could be Tugger, it could be Muncus Trap, it could be Alonzo, it could be McCavity. But she, the story, his story is that Grisabella left her baby with those girls, her friends. And so the reason why she's rejected when she's coming back when we, at, the, at the top of the show is because these girls were like, you can't, we can't be friends with you anymore. You, you've left us and we took care of her and, you know, we haven't told her who you are. So that's the attraction of syllabub to Grisabella in Mark's mm. story. Um, and I think it's just the way with the staging, uh, it just kind of comes across as a, as a more human story that I think an audience can follow. Yeah. Well, so that's always been, and why this podcast exists is my gripe is when I saw, and now granted I saw Andy Blake and Bueller's choreography. So I saw like a, not totally different show, but I now have learned from the super fans, like there's a, a, a pretty wide split between people who, who don't like that there was a, a redone, but that's all I, I knew. I know the 98 yeah. movie because that's all I have access to. And the show I've seen, which is not, which is Andy's. Which is a, a version of the original, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so Mark's version is more storytelling, which is what my gripe was with what, even what I saw in Andy's is that there is no storytelling. So I kind of always thought maybe it was, it was Victoria was Grisabella's daughter and the same type of thing you're saying, but the storyline is coming back for her. Yeah. That's, that's more of the original kind of story and concept. I think, um, Mark 
Victoria is definitely featured and special in Mark Robbins' version of the show, um, but the story about uh, you know a possible child is more 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 syllabub in his version. What other backstories does he add? Because like I love the character development part of this that seemed loose, and I understand that from like the original where they're just like like the the joke is like it's just cats, you know, it's like it's right. just cats. Like that's not really that story development as much as I think the fans have added to it. But it seems like Mark has added some because to tell it more of a human element. Yeah, I think the other the other big point in his production is that they're all kind of they're coming to present themselves to Doot to be chosen that night. Yeah, they're all coming to to, to get his votes to go, and then you know he uses I think it's it's, it's Gus and it's um, Jenny are his two other contestants that are you know kind of get the final they're in the final three with Grizz. Um, and the cats as a whole are kind of the jury. They even kind of, during, um, that portion of the show, they were all kind of lined up almost like a jury and you, you know, they nod and they say, no, not Gus, not, not Jenny. We want her. She's the one that should go. Mm, Okay. So it is a crowd, it's crowd vote and it's between the final three and they, they pick Chris. Okay. We'll we'll get into that at the end because I (laughs) I have gripes with that. And one other thing, he sets the show in different places. So it's been done in an abandoned amusement park. We did it in an abandoned theater. We set it in an abandoned, in Ohio, we did it in an abandoned tire factory. So we were all on all these tires everywhere. Um, uh, it's a cool oh concept. God. Yeah. One version, Isabella was on, uh, she, she was on the tassel of the curtain and ascended over the audience to the back of the theater. That was her, her exit to the heavy side layer. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it's cool. It's, I mean, that's what we go to theater for is to, you know, we, why would you want to go see something that you've seen before? Take a different approach to it, you know, and show an audience a different Brilliant. version that they may not even think they need to see, you know? All right. Well, we're going to spend the end of this, <laughs> me trying to convince you and Mark to let me do my version that I want to do. Let's hear it. Um, well, I mean, we, let's get into it now. I, I want, I want to uh, do a version where the audience votes on the Jellicle choice. And since if you stage it regionally for three weeks, or even on a tour, you could do this where the the cast, like let the cast go belt their numbers and then let the audience vote on who they think was the most fun that night. And I, I love, love the idea of it because it brings in this element of like, it, it makes the cast a little competitive to have fun of like who really sold their performance. Oh, but also like whose friends and family are in the audience tonight? Can they, can they like hey. stack the vote one day and then <laughs> just let that person go? Like, I don't think it dramatically changes the story that much because you still have Grisabelle singing memory. She still comes back. She either jo- rejoins the tribe. She can go hang with Syllabub for the rest of the, the year. And whoever goes just goes up on the tire and then you still do your dressing with cats and you end. I but I it. think that'd be so fun to have an Edwin Drew style every night. Like who knows, like who, like yeah. who went out there and delivered? We um, actually did that when, on his approach to chorus line. We actually did that where the Zach chose a different person to different people to get the show each night. Um, so you didn't know if you were going to get cast in the show that night. You, you worked your butt off to get to say, Hey, pick me tonight. See? I want to be in the final line. I, I, think, <laughs> I think there's something to it. It doesn't even have to be audience. It could be old Deuteronomy just making the pick every night. Like right? it could be, I, but I think that there's some, like, like, like you said, you go to theater to see a different experience. Like imagine yeah. if all of a sudden cork pack got picked because they're, because <laughs> their whole family and dance studio came right. that night. Can you imagine like, tonight it's the twins, the twins are going. Yeah. <laughs> like I, but I love that. Like I can, I would, I would absolutely love that show. And if I'm a, if I'm a, a casual fan, that's just seeing this, never seeing the show. 
I'm still going to get my memory. I'm still going to get the part that like, the only part I knew when I went in was memory. I'm like, I don't know anything else about this show except for their cats and there's memory at the end. And, and so I'm like, you still get that. You get your, you get your power ballad to close the show or not even close the show, but to like bring that back. And then it's like, oh, it's going to end. Then there's one more song that kind of confused me to begin with. Um, so you still get the same experience. You just, for the like super fans, you get a little bit more of a fun of like, why can't we have a different choice? Right? I gotta say, I love it. I love it. Let's do it, Mike. <laughs> okay, I'm right. I mean, I've been my goal. I, I've already accomplished one goal, which is I was able to give theories to the U.S. Six tour to to perform on stage. Like very weird, random, weird. These aren't going to change the show, but like, right. could you play this with this character this day, right. which is a little offbeat? But my my real goal is to do like to help. I can't pr- produce or done. I know nothing about theater. I couldn't choreograph it. I have no idea what goes into this, but I'll come to Lancaster if we can do this and I can help you just like with some of the, let's do this version. I'll help market it. it. We'll help sell it. It'll be great. It's why they call the show. It's now and forever. You know, you're going to do forever. So let's, let's make it, make it fun. (laughs) I love it. We can do it. I mean, I'll, I'll call the people at beef and boards. Let's go there. They're half that crowd's there to eat anyway. So they're not going (laughs) to notice the difference. Oh, that's the whole other aspect of doing cats and dinner theater. It's a whole nother world. <laughs> so, okay. So let's continue. Yeah. Uh, let's, let's keep going. So you like, where were all the other places you did it? And now I'm really curious, like, what were the settings of it? Like uh, you said, tire, yep. that's very Tommy boy in Ohio. If you, if you right. did tires. So that first time when I went to that audition, I, I saw, I saw Mark's call for beef and boards, right. And I got off of tour and I almost didn't go. It was in the morning. I was like, I don't want to go do, I don't want to do cats. I just, I just did it for a year, yeah. but I had heard his concept in that there was a cool production that he did at the Marriott in Chicago. So I was like, you know what, I'm just going to go and see what his choreography is like and just, you know, use it as a dance class. So I went and I'd never met him before. I had never auditioned for him before. I just was like the way the man runs a room was just so amazingly professional and warm and welcoming that I just, I, by the end of that audition, I was like, if I don't get this, I'm going to be really pissed off because I really want to work with this guy. Yeah. Um, and that was my first time at Beef and Boards was in 2003, 2000, it was like right over the, right, right at the end of the year. Um, so yeah, I had never worked with him. I had never like done that. It was, it was hard because it was kind of taking what I had learned and was like embedded in my brain of what the show was and letting it kind of go and just try to absorb what he was. Yeah. Know, it's a tweak. It's like a variation. Of right. It, and right. at the same time on his end, I think it was, you know, him going, Oh gosh, I have, it was myself and Jean-Michel and Tucker Ty were in that production with him that were from an original, that we were the only ones that had done the original show before in that cast. So he, I think he was kind of looking at us to be like, are you guys okay with this? If we do this and we're I, we, at one point, we all three were just like, we are here for you. We want to do your production. Let that go. Let us be here and do it. I love it. Um, I didn't realize they did it. Neither of them mentioned it. I've got Indiana stuff directly behind me, and neither of them mentioned that they did beef and boards in Indianapolis. So uh, uh, wait, I don't wait. Tucker didn't do in Tucker. Did, Tucker did a production with him somewhere else first. Okay. While Michelle and I were in that production, and and another person from tour, uh, Adam Walters, was in that production. Okay. Um, he was an Alonzo from tour. So um, what was your setting in in at beef and boards? Was it that, uh, that junkyard? That first time it was an abandoned theater. So the like they built a fake proscenium that was sideways and oversized. We could climb up over it uh, and lay on top of the proscenium. Um, there was a fake curtain with a tassel. There was like a, a spiral staircase that looked like it would have been backstage. Yeah. Um, and that thrust stage comes out there. So the yeah. Well, that's because that's where the 
that's where the that's where the buffet is before the the show that's where the buffet is and you know sometimes some cats you know put their hands on tables and take people's napkins and (laughs) it was it was very interactive um and we were all throughout the theater in the aisles dancing and um i did love that portion uh, that part of being at beef and boards is that you you can go out in the audiences is this where grizz went on the tassel across because there is a little spot in that corner of that theater so she flew over she went up and flew all over the uh, all all over the audience and went back to the theater that Um, is phenomenal i I never so i never saw it in indiana i know my sister saw it but it would have been like years before you even did it i did as an early kid Right. No, I don't, I don't remember, or no, I don't think I've ever heard of them doing it prior to when we did it in 2004. Oh, then maybe, maybe that was the one that, that still would be too, the way at least it was told to me when Mm -hmm. I started doing this and my mom's like, yeah, I took, I took your sister, not you to beef and boards years ago. But right. she made it seem like my sister was like five or six, which would have not, which would have been nineties. I'll not have to do some research. But, um, okay. So you do beef and boards, you do like, what's I, the other, what's the outdoor theater? You did a, um, Oh, that's theater the, under the stars. I it did was at the, Muni? The, star, the Muni. I did not do the production at the Muni. That's actually outside theater under the stars is actually an indoor theater. Oh, it's a, okay. It's, but the way that the theater is built and it has a beautiful, okay. you know, sky, Just misnamed. Sky. Um, that show there, I did Mark's version, but we did it on uh, the, or an original, the original set. So that was also weird to do his show on the original set. <laughs> Cause my brain would then click into, Oh, at this part, I usually run up and jump on the tire or run up and get up on the oven. And I, that's not, I'm not that character in this play right now, you know? Yeah. Um, oh, cause were you playing as a different, you, were you McCavity then? I, I usually play McCavity for Mark Robin, um, in that yep. production. I've covered Tugger for him, Skimble in the original. Um, who else have I done? Uh, I think that's it. I, I'm just too tall to be a Mistopheles. Um And yeah, I was, yeah, I've played those characters. Um, Ohio at Carousel Dinner Theater, uh, which is no longer there. Uh, that was the abandoned tire factory. So if mm-hmm. Firestone was a sponsor and they literally, there were like big monster truck tires all over the place. A lot of, uh, we, they built these um, catwalks that went over the audience there. So we could crawl on those above the audience and hang off of them. And some of them were low enough that we could, you know, flip off of them and do things. Um, it was always, every time I did the show, it wasn't, it didn't feel like I was, oh, I'm going to go do cats again. It yeah. always was like, I ran to it because it was an adventure. It was something that I could exercise my acting muscles and also get a really great workout. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. Um, I want to, where, what were the other, so you said, so Tire Factory, the, think, Theater, anybody, anywhere he, else weird? Where's the amusement park? He did the amusement park. That was his original concept at the Marriott okay. Lincolnshire in Chicago. Um, and I think he did that at uh, two other theaters that I wasn't a part of those productions. Um, I think those are all of the places that he set the show. <laughs> what other, um, what other story, not changes, but like, What's the other different versions of his story? Like you said, there's the Syllabub and Grizabelle connection. There's the friends with the, you know, the, the bomb and Jelly and Jenny. Is there any other kind of like I think those relationships like, he like plays? The broadest, those are the, the, the biggest uh, concepts for him. Tugger is definitely a, more of a dancer track in his show than it mm-hmm. is in the original. Like okay. He's a dancer, dancer, like toe touches and sometimes okay, wow. as well. And he's got relationships 
for sure with Bomb Arena in Mark's production. <laughs> like they are, they are. An what item. about Mistopheles? Is there the, that the, relationship? Um, Mistopheles is pretty similar to how he is in the original production. Um, uh, the, the relationship with you know Victoria is there. Um, I'm trying to think of other. Is the Demeter McCavity still big? The Demeter McCavity connection is still there. Yes. Um, and I'm thinking of other, I think that's, oh, he also, he has at the end of the first act of his show for little memory, mm -hmm. Grizabella comes face to face with a younger version of herself. So there's a younger, more glamorous uh, character that shows up and almost does a mirror, like a mirrored dance with her. Interesting. Who performs she, that though? Normally, is it like that? It's I think Syllabub, Syllabub? Leaves, leaves the ball early to go do a kind of a change and comes out in a younger, more glamorous look of Grizabella. And they do this mirrored kind of movement and dance where Grizabella sees herself. And then it's a, it's a memory for her. And then she fades away. And that's how little memory kind of starts for her at the end of the act. Wow. Yeah. So there's yeah, so a couple minor, you know, like these are minor changes, but they're really interesting because I, again, I only know Andy's version, like really. And there, those are a lot of similarities to okay. it. I think they just kind of cut out some of the stuff that was borderline offensive or yeah. you know, racially <laughs> offensive yep. in, in current times. Um, but the, you know, the, the main change from Andy was dates. And like, I mm -hmm. couldn't tell you the first difference about those things, but story-wise it felt fairly similar. Yes. That's, I think the biggest difference in Andy's was the, was the choreography, not so yeah. much the story change. I love it. So Mark's went <laughs> a little story change. I mean, this is, this is great. This is like my dream. I didn't, you know, every time I hear that there's, cause I, these are the questions I ask, which is like, I love that there was more thought put into it mm -hmm. because a lot of times like I were, you know, we, we recently, by the time this airs have gone to Broadway con and we were at Broadway con, we're debating some of these, like what I would call split moments of what were, were we able to like, I, I sparked a little online controversy with the cats fans because I said, I made a joke about bomb and Demeter being having sexual energy uh -huh. and someone was like, they are sisters. And I'm like, <laughs> but, are, but are they? And I was like, I mean, I was like, in I don't, your brain they are. Everybody I was like, cause from what they went from the story. I was so. like, cause I don't know. So I threw it up online and I got a near 50, 50 split of answers of, are they sisters or are they friends? And what was fascinating is the people who have done the most recent tour or that were in any version of Andy, who was a lot of my guests who voted on that, because that group's more on social media, uh -huh. they all voted friends, but my votes were almost split 50, 50. So there are so many of those things that exist in this world where it's like, it could be, it could not be. And I love that Mark's version is answering some of those. Like we're going to play into this. Even on the original tour, I don't think I ever looked at those two characters as sisters. They were always friends for me. Definitely. That's what my answer was the friends on that oh, one. Gosh. I'm going to start getting online hate as well. I, I don't know. I mean, it's not hate because the cats fans are so, they're so the like, they're so pleasant. Like yes. they, they disagree with you, but they're like, they're just happy that someone's even talking about this in some cases. Cause cats, there's not a lot of content out there. Cats fans are amazing. We used to have them at the stage doors on tour. They would be dressed and some of their costumes sometimes were just incredible. And they would make us the most lovely gifts. Like we would get these yeah. beautiful gifts. Um, and they would, it's so crazy. Cause like when we were on tour, it was right when a lot of online stuff was starting. It was, you know, the new millennium and we would, there was like, like a blog that we would all like each week, we'd be like, Oh gosh, what'd they say about us this week? Or yeah. would, sometimes they would 
be at our stage doors and then almost verbatim type out conversations that they had that we were having with them at the stage door and that's what would get posted that week it was it was cool but also a little strange <laughs> um, it was it, yeah the show Early is, it means so much to so many people that you know you you it's 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 50 50 like you said people either love 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 it or they hate it hate it hate it hate it um i i never really thought i loved watching the show I love doing the show. It is like nothing I've ever done in my life or will ever do. Um, even to this day, watching it, I'm still kind of like, ah, it's fine. It's good. But it's so much you get. I, I've gotten so much more out of it by participating in it. And the tribal feeling you get by, by being on stage with those people, um, it's the, in, the intimacy of it, the, the connection you have without saying, speaking a word to anyone else, you know, it's like nothing I've ever, ever done before. Yeah. You know, I, cause I don't know, people ask me all the time because it's podcasts. Like if I'm a super fan of the show, I'm like, I'm not even sure how I feel about the show, but what I like about it is the world it created and the open opportunity it has for this like deep kind of like comical analysis of the characters. Like that to me is fascinating that there is no answer. Like I love that part about this cause it's, it's so open-ended. Um, but to your point, like, I, I mean, I've watched it. I watched it on the, the most recent U.S. tour and I had, I had a blast because I talked, but I, I also talked to them the day before and got to kind of meet the actors and yeah. and gave them things that I was like looking for. And I was like, okay, great. And then I went on. I've only <laughs> seen it live four times. Oh, wow. Um, and they were the first time I saw it in 2016, mm -hmm. a year, exactly a year later, a friend wanted to come. And then I saw it back to back days when I went to do the video with the 2000 um, or the sixth, the, the most recent, the, 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 the sixth tour, tour in DC. Mm -hmm. I saw it back to back days. I saw the night when they did it. And then I just happened to be filming with them before their show. So I was like, well, I might as well just stay here before I take the right. train back to New York. And so that's it though. And I've seen it on the, you know, the 1998 movie on YouTube a couple of times or versions, clips of it. But yeah. I've, I've yet to find anybody who's been able to articulate why they hate it. So everyone who says that they love or hate it, the love, they have a real reason. The hate, they're just like, yeah, I didn't really like it. You're exactly right, Mike. That's what I've encountered too. <laughs> they can't explain so, to you why they hate it. They just tell you that they don't like it. You know? Yeah, which is which is fine. It's theater. There's plenty of things where I've walked down and just been like, yeah, that wasn't for me. I, I get it. I'm sure some people love it. That just wasn't for me. We're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back for more of The Wrong Cat Died. I want to pivot because I want to talk about casting because you are like working in casting and this is a show that like it can have some variations. And I think the one that I've noticed over the years is the Grizzabellas have gotten younger. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's just a byproduct of like the tours I've seen recently or just that they're looking for younger. But when you like, what does that casting say? What's it like being on that side of the table? Having, having done it so many times on the other right. side of the table. I, well, casting, I mean, in general, it's, there's so many things that, come into play you know if you have if you've already cast your monkus trap because it's a friend of yours you know that's worked for you for a long time and you know that you want to you do, that's your your first casting is monkus trap and he's the specific type you're going to start to cast around that you're going to find people who fit hey. with that um I, like i think i mentioned this to you in our earlier conversations before the podcast um you know i think the original show has a very specific way of casting you know the bombs are always you know tall thin lanky girls the the cassandras are in that same world the you know the victorias are you know, petite and the mistos are uh, have to be like i think under five seven or something like that um the alonzos have to be tall the McCavities have to be tall 
Um, there's a very specific body types for the original show. Mm-hmm. Um, working with Mark and pivoting and kind of changing things up, it's not so specific. Where it's more about uh, who's. We actually take a lot of the the actors acting into play casting mm-hmm. them because there is a lot of human emoting in Mark's version. Um, it, you, ha- I guess, to actually answer your question, casting it obviously it's a huge dance show and a huge singing show, which I don't think people realize how hard of a sing the show is actually as well. So you have to find triple threats. You have to find actors who can dance really well, who can sing really well and can act because at the end of the day, it, uh, yes, you can take the dance from it. You can take the singing from it, but it's one of the, one of the most amazing acting challenges I've ever had in my life. Um, So to find a good combination of all of that and then at the end of the day, you also want to cast kind, good humans. You know, yeah. you want to create a group that's yeah, going to, to make that show. Work it, with it, them, the show yeah. is all about uh, relationships and how you interact with one another physically and emotionally. So, you know, that I, that's for me, that's what uh, casting that show is like for me. Yeah, I think, you know, it's, it's interesting to hear you say that because there's somewhere there is like some a lot of precedent for this. So there is the like. It's 40 plus years. People know they have some expectation that it can't be so far off yeah. that it becomes kind of strange. But at the same time, there's like some positive evolution of like body types. So, you know, it's like, let's be more body positive and like, and have a lot, a lot of these things where if the person is talented and capable of doing the number mm-hmm. and a vision, like why does that ca- like, yeah. does this bomb have to be that tall or skinny? does this have to happen? So I love that there is some evolution there and, and you're right, it is a huge, like, there's booth singers. Like, that's something that doesn't happen in most shows, right? Oh, and, gosh, no. On tour, all of our swings were, they sung in the booth. There were six or seven of them at a time, you know? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I want to go back to your, your your discussion about the Grisabellas, too, but I did want to say that on tour, we, you know, there was so much injury there is that happens in the show that I think, I remember our stage manager coming on the call one day before at half hour saying that it was the first time that we had our entire playing company in like <laughs> 76 days. Like we yeah. haven't done the show in 76 days without swings on. Um, and sometimes these swings, I mean, I'm raising my hands to the swings of the world because you're, you're unsung heroes. Uh, they would come on mid show. We yeah. call them swing, swing bitches is what we called them. We would all, if we, anyone else that wasn't on as a swing, if you had to go on mid show, you would rush to them and help them get their makeup on, help them get their unitard on, get their mic on, get them ready to go on. There were times on stage where like I did the couple's minuet in the, in the poem before the ball um, or during the ball, I forget um, with Cassandra. And I didn't realize that the, from the time I had seen her before, like a couple minutes before on stage to the time I got to her at couple's minuet, it was a different actor because the swing had come on between something had happened to her. Um, so yay to the swings. Um, but the, the Grisabella question, <laughs> I don't know why that is happening or if it's, I mean, if you look back at like Betty Buckley, she's an older woman now in 2023, but she was a fairly young woman, I think, when she originated the role. So she wasn't, you know, she wasn't too old when she did it. Um, I've had all over ranges with my grizzes in all the nine mm-hmm. times I've done it. Some of them have been very young. Some have been on the older side. I tend, me personally, I like a more seasoned actress playing the part. It just seems it's mm. better for me story-wise um, because 
she doesn't necessarily have to dance. You don't have to put her as a double in the first, you know, the first number. You can fill that out. It's not necessary. Um, so I, I tend to like Grizabellas who are a little more seasoned in their careers. I think it just brings way more depth to the story. Interesting. And character. Yeah, they don't. I know that they like now a lot of times they dance in the opening number as baby Grizz. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, to me, for Grizabella, I think all I would care about is can they can they sing? Can they can sing they memory sing, or not? And they can <laughs> come out and act and can they work that costume? And I got to do the show uh, in Houston with Linda Balgord, who closed mm-hmm. Grizabella on Broadway. Mm-hmm. Um, and just watching her work, I mean, that I think when I did it there, I had done it, that was like my fifth or sixth time doing the show. I got to do it with Ken Page, who was the original duo, wow. which all, was also so amazing. And I designed the makeup at that production. So handing both of them their makeup plots to say, hey, here's here's what I have for you. Please don't feel that you need to do this. Um, and then watching them incorporate my design into their makeup throughout the run and just watching their professionalism and uh, approach to the show and having such knowledge and history with it was, I get chills even talking about it right now. Um, this is a great experience as an actor. Yeah, that's, yeah, I can't, <laughs> can only imagine. Um, so, so fascinating. I, the, the younger Grizz, I think, is more of a byproduct of the most recent tours on equity. I think, like, you just run into a little bit more of that. So mm-hmm. it's, um, I, I don't know how much, and I mean, this is just me as a guess, guessing as a, someone who's watched this for the past now three and a half, four years, whatever. Uh-huh. I started really kind of digging into this in 2019. Um, is I think it's just more of, a byproduct of the scenario and not a choice, not like, uh, like, like we probably like, they probably went through the auditions and the best real option just happened to be younger. And then that's where they did it. And I think you saw that with a couple other too, because like Jenny's started to get younger, like the, the 2016 Broadway Jenny's are both, were both young and like twenties. Yeah. Yeah. And they were phenomenal tap dancers Mm -hmm. and just performers, but they're not this like old motherly kind of thing that you would expect from there. So you I just think only, some of it's You can only evolution. hide so much behind your the makeup. Yeah. You still yeah. be a young person, even though you have makeup on. I, I agree with you. I think um, the casting, I think ske- skewing younger was probably because a lot of the non, non-union touring back in, you know, mm-hmm. before the Broadway revival happened. And you just, you know, there are less older actors that are non-union, you know? Yeah. Now, before we go to our rapid fire, I got to ask you about Spike. And so you got to perform with Spike. I, we have now, by the time this has come out, the Spike story has been out uh-huh. for the world to hear. But I, I'm fascinated by the whole idea because it is—it's clearly a cost savings measure. Like it was just oh. a, like let's let's not have to make five different unitards. Let's make one and give the same different five different pairs of shoes. Exactly. But I love that you guys all named and almost gave Spike a story. So does Mark have a Spike? What's that? Does Mark's version have a spike? Well, Tucker has done Mark's version and created his, he's played Pounceable and I think he was Nistopheles in a production. He brings Spike to all the shows he does. So (laughs) Tucker, oh my gosh, there were mornings uh, we would do like uh, have matinees and you know, it would be the end of an eight show week and Tucker would be on that day as, you know, a, a split track and was going to be Spike and he'd be getting his costume on. And, you know, it was his first time doing the show that week. And the rest of us had been doing it. Had, it was our eighth show. We were ready for the day off. And Tucker comes on stage and is just messing with you. And I think Jean-Michel touched on it. We were kittens. You know, we were Tumble Brutus, Pounceable, Syllabub, Mist- Misto, um, 
rumple teaser that we're all kittens so like we're on the floor the whole time on our hands and knees and tucker would just come over as spike and just like barrel roll you and just roll you over and i'd like you can't say tucker get the hell off of me right now instead i would just as tumble brutus i would just get in my like you know pounce you know piss off mode um he was so much fun to play with and you know you never knew what you were going to get with spike on stage so uh yeah it's spike now and forever <laughs> I, I, I just it's such a fascinating piece of the show that i knew nothing about because yeah. it's i mean it was created by a byproduct but also it's like this unique like there's almost a backstory for spike i would also love to know if i mean obviously we haven't tucker and john michelle and i have not done cats in a, a long time at this point but i want i would wonder if that story or that character got passed down and is still kind of you know an iteration of spike is still happening in any productions that are going on <laughs> and so it's I have not heard it. I mean, at this point I've talked to 25, I think production, different productions, uh -huh. um, which is, and I group all regional as one. So I'm just kind of regional as just all of the different variations of regional as one. And it's still like 25 ish productions. Um, I have not, I've never heard spike until Jean-Michel. <laughs> I just, just never come up. And then I was fascinated and that's why I immediately was like, all right, I gotta talk to Tucker. I love um, it. Because it's just like, and it's so funny because it's like, I can just imagine being like, yeah, we don't want, like, we don't want to pay for this. Here's one costume, go. Exactly. And it's like, because at the end of the day, nobody's going to know the name difference for 99% of the crowd. Right. And the, the crowd that is going to know it is the one that's in the early infancies of the internet writing the blog about it anyway. Exactly. But it doesn't exist on the Cats Wikipedia page, which has kind of been my source of truth, not source uh -huh. of truth, but like a, it's a pretty well documented of like a lot of the very weird uh -huh. nuanced things that get credited are in there and spike is not so oh, I'm, i need to add him one day he's out he's out to the world now we've, we've released him to the world um and you know, it's a testament to tucker too his with his of his talents because tucker is a fantastic dancer he can sing he's a tumbler he he he, he was just like the most glorious swing that we could have asked <laughs> for and to then bring that skill set and and you know and and make our lives so amazingly uh, awesome on stage was was awesome. <laughs> I just I I loved like the one thing you said that really kind of blew my mind was that like I had to look down to see what shoes I was wearing to see who I was <laughs> because that was like you're just in this one costume for five different cats and, and he's oh, like all right and that's like that was also what you would know like you wouldn't know who he is and like where he's supposed to feet, be you have to look at his shoes he's, he's supposed to be passable okay you're over there you know that is so so strange of a thing but. Um, Gosh. that yeah. would be, you know, that would be another thing. Like, can we imagine if we got spike at the vote one night, like spike could get the vote. I would right. rig spike a vote one night. <laughs> and then sure. he'd be, he'd be hanging on the, the yeah. curtain or the tire just, or whatever it is. Just living his best life. Just that he yeah. got <laughs> I, 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 the visual of, I mean, I was, re I went to beef and boards recently. I took, we took my niece to see sound of music when I was there and, um, it was like, right when it reopened from covid and so it was like the first time that anybody had had a buffet in ages right. <laughs> and and i hadn't been in there since i was a kid and I, and I didn't go much like my my mom's music teacher like we're a family that went to the traveling shows like, like the touring stuff that comes to indiana but like we were growing up i didn't go to a ton it was more like flying king comes let's go you know like not right. every single thing at beef awards mm -hmm. but I, I was just in there so recently that like i have this very visual of exactly where he went or i guess grizabella like went yeah over into this like little nook on the other side where there's like the ensemble stands when they're not on at times uh -huh. yeah 
and flying over all of these Hoosiers who just stuff their face <laughs> with food is such a visual I can only imagine. Yeah, I mean that's I did it again there in 2014, uh, at, and that's the last time I did the show. That's, that's the last time I've done cats was uh, in 2014, and it, it had been eight years since the time I had done it prior to that. So there was a major break where I didn't do the show. And when I, when I was asked to come back and do it there, I had to think about it because, you know, I was like, Oh gosh, is my, can my body still do this? Yeah. Am I still able to do this? And it was a, a rude awakening on the first day of rehearsal. <laughs> um, and then I remember, I, I distinctly remember the last night of the show um, during little memory or no, during big memory, um, listening to our Grizz sing the little memory that night, going, having that moment saying, I think this is it. I think this is, this is it. I don't think I'm going to do it again. This Which is your, you're the joke of choice now. Yeah. It was my, it was almost my heavy side layer moment. Yeah. Um, uh, but now as in the position I'm in now, I'm hoping that we can, we can, you know, present the show here at the Fulton at some point, cause it's never been done here. And I, I don't know if you've ever been in our theater here, but it is a national historic landmark and it is one of the most beautiful theaters you'll ever step foot in. So to do a show of that, that grandeur in, in the space and, and be part of it in a different way, you know, yeah. artistically, you know, guide it with, with Mark would be just a, an amazing so, treat. So have you thought if you get a green light, what's your setting? Like, is there some historical landmark that you got to put in there for? I can't give away all, 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 all of it. We, we got to keep some surprises. Okay. <laughs> I will say that there, the discussions of what we will do have already begun. Um, and it will, it will be epic. Uh, Amazing. Well, I hope you get the, the ability to do it. And when you do, oh. there's nothing more than I would like to do than to come to rehearsal. Yeah. And when you do rehearsal. this story, when you do this story day, Mm-hmm. And you talk through. I I, I want to just be there uh, and a fly the wall, or to be able to just give like, hey, here's. Let me tell it's you what a bunch think. of other people have said because I know that there was a regional production recently in Atlanta, and I've talked to some people in that cast, and they use the podcast as a way to hear how other people have approached their character. Mm-hmm. So it's like I'm almost created. Like I feel like I'm documenting history of like here is how this uh, Mistopheles thought about being Mistopheles right. in this production and how they handled it in the West End for this yeah. Victoria and vice versa. So it's, I think that's one of the best things about the show. If you, if you're starting from scratch to set it with a new company is to take a, take a portion of rehearsal very early on and just say, Hey, everybody take, take the next day or so and really think about your, who you are in this play and where, what your connections are. And that just doing that and sharing that with the rest of the actors just sets you up for success because you know, you're art, you're like, Oh, I never thought about that story. Let's see how we can work, work yeah. on that and, and make that come. So the audience even sees that story. Uh, I love it. I love it's it. It's one of those shows that they, I don't think they had any idea what it was going to do or be. And it's just become this, you know, phenomenon. There's an interview, uh, I think how Prince had early on where he just said, everyone kept asking me, what is it about? What is it about? And he said, it's about cats. It's just cats. Yeah. It's, it's just about cats. <laughs> well, and it's, and it's, it's way more and we've, we've uncovered that. Yeah. But, okay. We got to do some rapid fire. Um, if you could go on one night for any cat, whether, you know, you've done it before you could fit like if it's male, female physically could do it. Um, who would you want to go on us for one night? Oh, there's a <laughs> the princess track. Just come out in 15 I minutes. Stay, I want to be able to stand there in some fancy heels and a fabulous dress and just sing memory. <laughs> I love it. Um, Hands down. Who are your favorite and least favorite characters in the show? Um, oh, gosh. Uh, 
doing it or or watching it either i think i think i'd have to say my favorite characters are probably mungo jerry and victoria okay what about least favorite which cats bug you cats that bug me um plato i never I don't plato. Know. plato okay. i never understood that that i guess it's it's there for because he usually plato then leaves and turns into McCavity. So he's there as a, I, I, I just never really understood that character. I don't necessarily hate it. I just didn't really ever understand yeah, it. Yeah, that was one I didn't realize how much more time the Plato McCavity track is in Plato than in McCavity. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of one that I've dug into recently a little bit, but um, I, think, I, I think this it might be the episode after you. So that's why I'm like, eh, I, was, I, I don't he, know if it's coming out. I think in the original show, he would come on for, he'd still be Plato at the top of the second act. And then when, when Gus comes out, he would leave and go start the makeup change to McCavity. Yeah. Yep. I just never understood. It's, I never had a lot, a huge relationship with the character. Okay. So and I'd say that. <laughs> okay. Favorite song from the show. Oh gosh. I think, I think the moments of happiness maybe, or, mm-hmm. um, I mean, obviously memory is a, a beautiful song, but that's just the cliche answer. I think <laughs> I okay. loved, I loved, I, it's so crazy to say, but I think doing that song, to just sit there still and look out and just place where you're at in that moment in the show to have the old dude sing that. And just, that was always a really cool moment. I think yeah. the show is moments of happiness. My fun one is if uh, one cat was going to be a casting director, who would be the best at it? If one cat was going to be a casting director, who would be the best at it? I have to say myself, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, I mean like character, like, not not a performer. Oh like, which, like which which personality of one of the characters would be best? Oh, doing I'm gonna go with probably Cassandra. Oh, okay. Cassandra, she's just so regal and and has a has a. I think she has a check on everybody in the show. You I was thinking I mean? Monk for the same reason. Oh, Monk, Monk is track, too, yeah. But, mm-hmm. but no, I like Cassandra's a good answer. Cassandra's okay. such a cool character. I think I'd want to play her for one day, too. <laughs> okay, yeah. Um, okay, million-dollar question. Uh, I, you know, you've done this many times. I want to hear you, Joey, if you're picking, if you're old Deuteronomy for the day and you get to choose a Jellicle choice, who are you choosing and why? Oh, gosh, who am I choosing and why? I knew you were going to ask me this, too. Um, it's the, it's the title of the show. It's the title of the show. (laughs) I honestly don't think the wrong cat died. I think, I think it's Isabella. Yeah. I'm sorry. I do. Okay. Give me your, (laughs) give me your, your rationale. I've had a good run of non Grizabella choices. So it's just like, all right, it's, it's time. I I think the, the story is set up that way from the beginning. She's this, you know, figure that is this, you, she has the biggest arc of any of them. Um, so she comes, she starts in one place and ends in another. And I think the redemption just, it's the, it's the natural progression. So let me character. ask you this from Mark's lens here of now mm-hmm. syllabub's daughter. I'm syllabub. Mm-hmm. I, all of a sudden I, I'm the one that accepts my mom back to the tribe and we're immediately going to kill her. <laughs> like, I, I, do, do I not want a year with her? Like, why can't oh, she go next God. year? I guess you're right. Then I guess you're right. Yeah. Then maybe, then if, it, if I had to pick a, a second choice, I would say then Gus, then Gus should go. Okay. So you're picking Gus over Jenny between your trio. Oh yes. Yes. But you're still picking Grizz. Yeah. Yeah. Even in Mark's, I think, I think the relationship is solidified that throughout the entire production of their relationship. And I think she knows 
Silvub knows she's going to be left in good hands. And I feel, I also feel that Grizz is, I don't know that she's necessarily dying, but she's re, being re, recreate, reincarnated and she, she may come back and she may come back as a kitten the next season to play with Silvub. Who knows? Yeah. I, mean, <laughs> I get the story. I mean, yeah. like, it's, it's been around for 40 years. Like it makes <laughs> sense. It's been successful. Like I can't really argue it that much. Right. I just have really struggled with, if I'm looking at best performances and doing a voting American Idol style or X Factor style, I probably wouldn't pick memory. I mean, memory is great and it's right. belted, super powerful. And like, it would be, it would be a show closer with, you know, the very touching, uh, packaged video before she comes on stage, <laughs> you know, but I probably would be combining things that I had more entertainment with, which was like Mungo Jerry and Rumpel teaser or yeah. the Tugger Mustafli's numbers or right. something like that more upbeat, interesting ones. So right. that's, that I, was my original joke. I got it. Yeah, but I think if you look at, you know, the way you said we were talking about casting and now it's skewing younger, originally those characters that are kind of the ones that are being, have the possibility to go are the ones that are in their latter years and, are yep. the, you know, that they would be sent to the heavy side layer. So. Yeah, so that's why <laughs> that's why my, my actual answer is Gus this year, Grisabelle next year. I, I could go with that. I could, I could get on board with that. I will mark your answer down as Grizabella because I do keep track and you know, she's she's still holding a slight edge on Gus, but she is not half the votes. Okay. So I don't know if I'm slowly changing people's minds or if I just hit a chord, uh, struck a chord with everybody when I came up with this idea. It's a nice conversation piece. Yeah. <laughs> it is definitely something that most people don't think about that I have spent a lot of time thinking about. But I love it. I'm so grateful for it. It's well, this has been awesome. Amazing. How can people stay in touch with you and the theater and everything you're working on? Um, me, I'm an Instagrammer, so at Joey Tumble, uh, J O E Y T U M B L E. That num that name was given to me by Mr. Ryan Jackson on tour because I was Tumble Brutus and he just called me Joey Tumble. So you can find me at there. Um, and the Fulton.org is anything you want to know about where I work and what I do here at the Fulton. Awesome. We'll link that in there and then hopefully one day. You are doing this show, and I will be taking a trip down to, to Lancaster and joining you to, to see what we can do. I can't wait. Um, well, this has been so, so fun. So thank yeah, you for being thank a great you, guest. Mike. Thank you very much. And thanks, everyone else, for listening to this episode of The Wrong Cat Die, the podcast breakdown of the cast Ash feed. To follow along, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and threads at The Wrong Cat Die, or check out our website, thewrongcatdie.com. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.